as a uh, surprise to myself and also to you, I'm continuing in the book of Revelation. This last part of Revelation, I believe, is very important in that it's the last of the book. And as many of you have already done many, many times, when you're reading a good mystery, what page do you turn to after you just get started in that mystery? What's the next page that you turn to? We jump to the last page to find out the end. Why did you even buy that book? If you're going to do that, you just destroyed the author's intention. And so we've been going through this book and we've come to the last chapter, the best chapter, because it brings it all together. It's been saying this message all along the message of chapter 22. But it really focuses on the Lord himself, the one who is able to bring this all together. And he's able to work in our lives and bring us all together as the redeemed of the Lord. That's the hope. That's the purpose. That is the result of the book of Revelation. And especially this that we're going to be reading here this morning. Behold, I am coming quickly. How many find that to be a comfort? I saw a couple of shaking heads. You're not quite ready? Maybe that's why you don't have comfort. But when he comes... We're going to see him. We'll see him as he is. Not hanging on a cross. Not with a crown of thorns on his head. We'll see him as the great, victorious Lord and Savior of us all. And we'll be in awe, even as John expresses in his book. Let's read this statement that we've read all along. And I hope you're not getting weary of it. I hope that you're getting it down into your heart. The first line is a blessing to us. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things that are written in it, for the time is near. That is the message. You have read Revelation. Close the book and wait. No, there's still some good things that we can capture, that we can take to our hearts, that we can put into practice in our lives. Revelation 22, 6 to 13. And I'm reading this in the English Standard Version. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, 
You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. May the Lord bless his word to our ears. Behold, I am coming quickly. John says that these words are trustworthy and true. At least the angel did and John reported it. The idea that we have special words that are not just everyday words that we spout out of our mouths, but words that have impact and heaviness and weightiness to them. This is a weighty word, trustworthy and true. And it's not just saying, I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth. No, these are trustworthy. They're worthy of our trust because they're true and they come from heaven to our hearts. They're not just flippant. It's not just somebody's imagination. It is truth. And then the angel says, I'm a fellow servant. Do you think of the angels as being fellow servants? Let's find out who they are. And then the time is near. Nobody likes to have their life changed. And so if the Lord was to come, that would interrupt a lot of things in my life. Well, it's not about us. It's about him. That was the outline, if you wanted to know. Let's dig in here. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. One of the things that we are known for as people, and we all have this, I believe, Every one of you have gifts that God has uniquely given you. Even if you are not a believer yet, I believe that every human being has gifts that God has given them and they need to discover what they are. And you really can't discover what your gift is until you know your maker, the one who knows you best, the one who formed you in your mother's womb. And that's why today there are so many people these days that are relying on the input that they get from their cell phones. We trust in all this information. And so the angel says, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Something is going to happen. There's that tension in the air. We are so connected with news these days. And scriptures say all the earth will see him. How could that be possible? Well, it's possible today. 
I don't know whether it's going to be on CNN or Fox News or one of these. It says, every eye will see him when he comes. Is that scary to you? Or is that the hope that you have in your heart? That's what revelation should do for us. That should put us in tune with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And that is certainly true. And that's what we need to remind ourselves. This is not John's word. This is Jesus' word. Treat it that way. Receive it that way. Don't just let your conscience and your mind be kind of dulled. But keep yourself sensitive to the one who wrote or spoke this book. Then the angel's mandate. The mandate of the angel was, the Lord has sent his angel to show his servants. This is not just something that the angels got together and said, you know, it's about time we help the Lord out. And I see this man here, John, let's go and just share with him what we know. No. The Lord sent his angel. It was the Lord himself. Go and tell, show what must be done. This is the revelation of who? The revelation of who? Jesus Christ. This is his book. Secondly, the urgency of the message. And everybody thinks their, their message is urgent. Is that true or not? Everybody thinks what you know is important and urgent, right? If you've had an experience of some kind, what do you want to do? Shoot off your mouth and say, you know what I just learned? Even if it's some Bible truth. And so is the angel. It was an urgent message. And so John if I can say respectfully, shot off his mouth. He said, this is what happened, and he wrote it down. Behold, I am coming soon. That's what Jesus said, and that's what he quoted, and that's what he wrote. The reward of keeping the word. And there is a reward. There is a reward for all of us who keep the word of the Lord. If you are finding that God has spoken to you a word, perhaps it's about your walk and your thoughts and your lifestyle or something that you need to bring into your life, seize upon it, grab it, make it your own. There's a reward in keeping the word of God. There is. Many of us have proven that so. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy. Here's the promise of Jesus. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe in me as well. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I was going to go away to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and welcome you into my presence so that you also may be where I am and you know the way 
to the place where I'm going. John 14, 1 to 4. Second point is in verses 8 and 9. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. And he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And Ephesians says, there is one body, one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. John fell down to worship at the feet of the angel. Who of you would not do that? If an angel came right in here, I'd be flat on my face. And in fact, there have been many people in the Bible who have done that. In this case, John knew it was an angel and he fell down his face, but it says he worshiped him, the angel. And so the angel rebuked him and said, no, do not worship me. I am a fellow servant like you. And so there is only one whom we worship, and that is God, the living God. You know, we've talked many times about the word God, the name God. That is a special name with a special meaning. And there are countries and cultures that have taken that word and they put their language to it and their impressions and their thoughts with the word, like for instance, in Japanese, kami. When we say kami, that for, I believe, as a Japanese, has a special nuance, feeling, and sense. So when they read something like this, worship God, well, yes, there are many gods. But no, in biblical terms, the word God means the one and only God. It does not mean multiple gods. In fact, if you have the idea or thought that there are many gods, then those gods are not gods at all. Because a god is one who is one and only one over all. Isn't that right? Isn't that the concept or the understanding of that three-letter word, God? It means the most high, the supreme, the one and only. But when we as Christians, particularly here in Japan, but in other countries as well, when we say God, that brings up a whole connotation of what we mean. So I think we need to be careful in our use of that term. But this angel, of course, came from the true God, the one and only God. He was not God himself, even though he had God-like attributes. Well, he was no different in many respects to John himself. The angels were made by God. Human beings were made by God. Which God? The one, only, true Jehovah, God Almighty. And so just to use words that are laden with 
definitions of multiple gods or heads. I believe we need to be careful in using that word. This is not a rebuke. This is not a criticism. But it is bringing the truth of what we hear, even in your prayers. The angel said, worship God, because he was in his mind, in his words, was saying, the one and true God. Worship that God. Not little gods. Or as someone has said, a G-O-D with small g. The Bible does talk about other G-O-Ds, but this is the one, only, true God. What I like to use in my prayers is Father. And that's what Ephesians 4, 4-6 says, One God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. He is the one that we worship and no one else. And the angel says, Hey, I'm just like you, dude. I'm not anything special. I'm a creation of the maker of heaven and earth. You are too. The only difference with you is you're fallen as a human being. And you know, some of us are too. But I'm not. I stay true to the true and living God. Worship God. The true and living God. Fellow servant. The time is near. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Illustration of that is, don't close your computer because you're not finished with the sermon yet. Don't seal it up. We're not finished yet. There's much more in this book to happen. In fact, even in writing it down and making this a book that has been passed on for centuries and centuries and centuries, the word remains, don't seal it up. This book that John wrote is so important. Don't seal it up. Spread it around. Let people take a look at it. Encourage people to look at it. Make this our favorite book of the Bible. And you know, as we were going through Revelation, it was far from our favorite book, right? There were scary things, things that we didn't understand. We were confused. We were trying to sort it all out, but it was really behind us. But don't seal it up. Keep it open. And let's keep searching this book and understanding not only what's in the book, but also what our time is. What kind of an age are we living in right now? I feel like perhaps John the Baptist felt. John the Baptist came by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, calling people to repentance and baptism. He had a message, an urgent message. It would be, destruction is coming. Repent for your sin. Judgment is coming. And he preached in the countryside, baptizing people, getting them moved so much so that they would get into the muddy waters of the Jordan River to be a part and a symbol 
of the God who wants them to be pure. And yet, in 70 short years or, or less, the temple and Jerusalem would be sacked. And there was the end of Israel. That was the end. Well, no, not exactly. Because God had remnants. The one God. God still had those whom he was calling who would not turn away, who would be faithful to the word. And this word that we are reading continued on, even though the temple was gone, even though Jerusalem was a pile of rocks. Other countries had taken over. And Israel has not been fully restored in spite of 1948. And many of us, well, I wasn't old enough to really understand it, but my dad did. And he said, this is the time. This is the time. And over 70 years ago, my father was preaching from Revelation, saying, the time is coming. And as a young boy sitting in the, well, I was sitting in the second row, and his eyes would look down at me. And I thought, oh boy, he knows what I was doing behind the barn. But that is the way we should be walking, living, sensing, knowing the time is near. It's very soon, very soon. And we should be looking forward, not in fear, but in joy. It should be our anticipation. There's the patience and long-suffering of Christ. He's waiting and waiting for those who will come, those who will leave their evil. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. What is he saying? There's always going to be those who are going to scoff and not going to go with you or agree with you. You're not going to have the support around you that you think you need in terms of your friends, your colleagues, your parents. But the righteous still do right. The holy still be holy. And that's what the call is. That's our call. Remain faithful to the end. Time is running out. Clock is ticking. Behold, I am coming soon, Jesus said, bringing my recompense with me to repay to each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I'm coming soon. What does that word recompense mean? What do you think? What's another word? Reward, Reward okay. What's another? Payback. Payback, Payback okay. Another word. Yes, remuneration. The reward. To repay each one for what he has done. And Lord, may it be that we walk in your ways and show your life through who we are. Because you are the Alpha, the beginning, 
and the omega, the culmination, the end of all things, the fulfillment, the first. You are number one in our life. May that be so in my life. And you're the last one. When I close my eyes and sleep, Lord, you are my God. I worship you. In the beginning, the beginning of new things, when we wake up in the morning, when we start on a new project, when we enter into a marriage, there are new beginnings with you. And you are the result and the end and the culmination to you all glory and praise for who you are. We worship you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.